opinions expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants and no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Thank you, Roger, and good morning, America. Beautiful bluebird skies here in the Blackstone Valley, and it is 9.05, so it's another edition of the award-winning Authors Hour radio program on Smoker 99.9 FM, Alexa, Apple, 1380 AM, on your dial since 1954. The first part of our show is going to be sponsored by the Association of Rhode Island Authors. I am a proud member of it, a board member, 377 members strong and growing, supplying authors for all libraries, book signings, all type events throughout New England, including our own expo. Uh, first Saturday in December at the Roads on the Patuxet, where you can meet and talk to over 130 authors under one roof. And it's back, a lively little ratty. It'll be August 25th at the East Greenwich Hotel, right on Main Street in East Greenwich. And we're going to talk sci-fi with a co-author of Stephen King of a brand new book out. Don't touch that dial. We'll bet. My first guest, name of the book is going to be Barefoot to Benefactor by Lenny Peters, M.D., and the book will be available on Amazon right around September 4th. So we're going to debut it nationwide right here on the Author's Hour. Call and tell your friends right now. Send them an email to tune in, and please enjoy the following commercial. Association of Rhode Island Authors. Anyone can join the Association of Rhode Island Association of Authors. But you'll find that a published author and an aspiring author with a complete manuscript will benefit most from our membership. In addition, your membership fee helps support all Rhode Island's most talented writers. Benefits of being an ARA membership include networking with dozens of local published authors at our monthly meetings that are always held on the second Thursday of the month. Presentations from industry pros on a wide array of published topics, exclusive invitations to speak and conduct your presentations at libraries and other venues. Advance notice of any expos, festivals, and any other event where books are sold. A reduced table fee at the Rhode Island Authors Expo, a website link in IRA's members directory, and so much more. Check us out at www.riauthors.org. I did. AuthorsHourBookstore.com New and slightly read books. If you heard our author interview on our Authors Hour every Tuesday at 9 a.m., we will stock it. Call Wayne, WNRI at Yahoo.com for any locator service or a closed-out book. Again, it's the new AuthorsHourBookstore.com. Let's have a sale. Wayne, WNRI, Yahoo.com. Any of the 300 books that I have on the website, an additional 10% off today. Send me an email on it, and we'll make the sales after the show. 
On the line right now, we are going to discuss with the author, Barefoot to Benefactor, My Life Story of Faith and Courage by M.D. Lenny Peters. He was born and raised in Kerala, India. After attaining his M.D. and practicing medicine in the U.K. and in Africa, he came to the U.S. where he served his residency at a hospital in the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine and became a gastroenterology fellow at Wake Forest University. In 1987, he founded the Bethany Medical Center in High Point, North Carolina, which has grown from a single clinic to the largest independent medical group in the state of North Carolina, with 65 healthcare providers and 550 employees serving over 1,000 patients from all walks of life daily. He's also the founder and CEO of the Peters Medical Research and Peters Development and serves as the founding director of Bank of North Carolina, later becoming part of Pinnacle Bank, his charitable organizations, the Lenny Peters Foundation, providing grants or donations to needy individuals in the Piedmont Triad and many other worthy causes in the U.S. and around the world. 100% of the proceeds of this book that we're going to discuss, Barefoot the Benefactor, will be donated to orphans and cancer patients. Dr. Lenny Peters is the author of his brand new book, Barefoot the Benefactor, and now the story begins. Good morning, Dr. Peters. Good morning, sir. How are you? Thank you very much for taking the time. We had scheduled last week, and then I had a minor problem with one of my knees as I'm getting older. A little tweak, they call it. I thought I actually broke some kind of tendon or something. But I'm doing better now, and I'm glad that you could come back so quick on a debut book that I could not put down. Is this your very first book? Yes, sir. This is my first book. Well, I hope it's not the last, I'll tell you, because you touch a lot of worldly subjects that have really caught my curiosity up. And all the proceeds of this book and other uh, events that you have going go to charitable causes. I just love that theme on it. I think you're going to get a very big reception worldwide on this book, in my particular mind. Uh, Why did you go with the publisher that you have? Did you give them a pitch and they approved it, or did they approach you, Post Hill? Uh, I wrote the book first. Um, I just wanted to put my thoughts together and my experience living and working in four continents as a medical professional. So once I had the full draft done, um, I had presented this to a team, and they they were able to help me pick uh, Postal Press as the publisher. Now, in your country, in India, you started going to medical school at the young age of 14? Yes. So, in India, we have a focused curriculum. So, if a young person wants to become a lawyer or a doctor or a scientist, and they can go on a focused curriculum, 
Uh, in my case, I did uh, in 8th, ninth, and 10th grade college-level physics, chemistry, biology, and would enter into a test, into a national exam, and if you score very high, then you can go straight to pre-med and to med accepted. So I was born and raised in a small village, um, in a rural village um, across paddy fields, and that's where the barefoot comes from. Every morning, I have to walk across the paddy fields barefoot to go to school. And um, with that um, high score in uh, national exam, uh, I was able to get accepted to the med school very early, age 14. So I packed my bags, two bags, one my father carried, the other one I did, across the paddy field, got, a, got into a bus and go to the city the first time. And I never returned. Now, and were there, I was able to, sorry, go ahead, sir. Were these programs available to the majority of the population or just the well-to-do affluent community? It's available to anyone. By no means I belong to the well-to-do. I was uh, one of the poorest homes in, uh, in India. Um, I was also a Christian. And less than 5% are Christians. And um, I had a deep-rooted faith and um, knowing that things will get better and things will go in the right direction. So it's available to everyone um, and, and will also offer national merit scholarships. So I didn't have to have money to go to med school. It was paid by, by, by the scholarships that I was able to uh, obtain. Wow. Now, were your parents educated and knew how to go about these grants and scholarships ahead of time, or was it a first-time event for them? It was a first-time event. My mother is uh, uh, stay home just raising three kids. I'm the youngest of the three. My father was away working in, um, in the oil fields uh, in the Middle East for British Petroleum for 11 months out of the 12 months. So he was not around. This was all happened uh, um, because uh, my school and my teachers uh, recognized that I had uh, some talents that are very uh, unique, and, and so encouraged me and uh, was able to to get the scholarship. So it was not through my family. I find it so amazing in a country that big of India, that part of the world that I'm not that educated in, but I know the population is bursting at the seams. When you left to go out on your venture, starting your schooling for medical at a young age of 14, you must have been intimidated or did you ever have a safety factor going out on your own? You must have stood out like a tourist walking with your bag, going out to your very first places that you had to go to. Did you feel secure in India? Yes, very much so. So my first uh, stop was uh, at the dorm um, with uh, other children. So it was um, living with um, other, other students. However, they were four and five years older than me. My, uh, my first roommate was uh, five years older than me. Um, but I had uh, an early uh, maturity. Um, I was able to connect with uh, the, the, um, the teachers and um, 
uh, we call them wardens. Uh, they they run the dorms um, at an early uh, an early age. Um, so I I did not have uh, a feeling of being intimidated. I knew what to expect. Um, I had a fascination for uh, United States uh, even before I left my village. My father had uh, brought a transistor uh, with uh, operated by by battery, and that's the only we don't have electricity or running water in our village. Uh, so with the transistor, I was able to listen to radio, and one of the channels I listened was Voice of America, and I was fascinated. Um, and as soon as I got to the city at age 14, I couldn't wait to go to the American consulate and read Reader's Digest and Life magazine. And um, so I was mature beyond my age. Um, I'm not saying in a uh, boastful manner, but that, that was some of the gifts that were given to me. The good Lord has been plentiful in, 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 in giving me all the, um, the blessings that I needed. So, um, in those respects, I was more worldly. I understood, uh, you know, how the rest of the world works. I also wanted to go to United Kingdom because the British uh, were in India for 400 years, and I wanted to see who they were and how they were able to do what they did. Um, so, it was a nice journey. As soon as I finished med school in India, I... Um, I, I was able to go to London, again, um, with no uh, means. Uh, I needed a sponsor. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have money to buy a ticket. Um, so, as I mentioned in my book, um, miraculously, one of my distant friends told me one day, his father works for British Rail in London, and he will be able to sponsor me. So... This man I never met, Mr. Joseph, sent me the sponsorship, also sent me 100 pounds in cash to spend on my way. Wow. So, uh, and I arrived in London. So, it was a, it, it, nothing short of a miracle. So, I, first I wrote the book. I, I gave the title, um, Angels in My Life. But then, with the further... Uh, discussions, we thought this would be a better choice. So he was an angel, and he he came to this um, Heathrow Airport with a blanket and put it around me to keep me warm, take me to his one-room apartment, just one room. And uh, he gave me the bed, and he slept on the floor. Wow, what a story. So that's my first night. That's my first night in London. So... Uh, to buy the ticket, I didn't have money. I had a uh, Soviet-made, uh, because India was aligned with Soviet Union in those days with socialism and communism, um, a, a motorbike. So I sold that for $1,000 and borrowed another $1,000 from family, family, different family members. So I had $2,000 to buy the, buy the ticket. And... Um, um, and arrived in London, and I, I got my exam done within two weeks in uh, Edinburgh, um, and uh, stayed in London and climbed my way up, um, and met with another angel uh, who is a, a knight, a sir, 
Sir Gray. He was a doctor. He had three hospitals. I became his number one man in charge of the hospital and had about 40, 50 other doctors work for me. At what age did that happen? How old was you when that happened? At 43? 23. Uh, 23? 23, yes. Unbelievable. I was 23 um, at uh, at that time. And this uh, amazing man, uh, who is true royal blood, has no reason to help me. And um, took me under his wings. And uh, I am giving that the pathway the first day uh, sleeping in one room and when I left England, London uh, he was my mentor and for running his hospitals I already had two postgraduate degrees from London called MRCP member of the Royal College of Physicians from Dublin and London I had so I was well placed wow. and for recognizing my effort for him he would invite me to his home every Sunday afternoon, four o'clock, we play croquet in his front yard. And then I'll have dinner and there'll be a lot of royalty. A lot of people who are nice and well-connected people. And that was my last several months. So from starting from one room uh, with a poor man, I was dining with the royalty. What a story. And I left. Now, currently, that, that you must travel name. back and forth to India on a regular basis with uh, business interests and family members. How much of a uh, influence in the Commonwealth does the UK still have in India? Yeah, so um, the British, there's the two different views among Indians about the British. And I talk about this, in, and you can take a positive view or a negative view. Majority of the people believe the British did not treat us well, treat the Indians well. There was a time when there was uh, 15,000 Indians to one British soldier. So it was an enigma why we couldn't, we couldn't persist, we couldn't defend ourselves. So something happened, and they changed the minds of our own people and made us fight with each other. So the majority of the people are upset and angry. I took the opposite view. I looked and said, what what has this British done for us? They've done enough phenomenal stuff for us. They built railway from north to south, east to west, united the country. If it was not for them, we will be like small countries in Africa. You know, a, a conglomeration of small little countries like us in Africa. So they united us, gave us the international language, and that was, I started studying English in first grade, along with my local language and national language, three languages we have to study in first grade, three different alphabets. So they gave me that international language so I can write a book in English. So I think they've done a lot of good things for us, and be thankful. Yes, we... I have never met a person who can change yesterday. I don't know of anyone who can accurately predict tomorrow. So let's live today. So this is why 
I get accepted in different communities because I look for what is good. If you look for good in people, you'll find it. Or we can make the negative approach and say, well, I was treated badly. This all happened. So we'll not or dislike this group of people forever. So that's the answer to how people look at the, the colonialism and British Empire. You can look at it two different ways. So I choose to look at positively, and I had good experience. And do I travel to India? Yes, not as often. Um, about 15 years ago, 2006, I established my uh, foundation, Lenny Peters Foundation. That was to help... Um, Indians who are in need, and then we also do a lot of good things here in the U.S. But the uh, we have now eight centers. It has grown tremendously. Each center has several um, uh, orphan children or cancer patients, prayer centers, family centers. So we're very established in southern India. And, um, you know, I have worked with... Uh, uh, Mother Teresa and her center were uh, a mile apart. She will take care of the girls, and my orphanage that, that I built would take care of the boys. We had a great relationship. Um, so I was traveling more often then, and uh, my sister lives there now. She's the president of Lenny Peters Foundation India. She runs the whole operation there now. I don't go often. But we can do a lot of things on um, by the Internet and, and Zoom and all of those things these days. I thoroughly enjoyed reading the book. And there was a section in there that I've got it highlighted in uh, fluorescent colors to learn right from the horse's mouth because you touched on a subject that's really uh, got my curiosity up. And you were talking about the different religious groups in India which I didn't realize Christianity was so low as a total of the total uh, country population, but also the negativism against the Jewish population in India from all the other groups. And you played a a mediator role with uh, one of the strongest groups, the fishermen group, to take the heat off them. Is that still present to this day? Or can you explain over the radio audience why that so much animosity against the Jewish population in India? Yeah, so uh, Jewish population was established in India very early on. Um, And centuries ago. And there was a small pocket of um, uh, Jewish population that grew. Uh, they became very entrepreneurial, nice mosque, and, and contributed to the community. Um, but over the years, the intolerance became more and more, not just to the Christians, like we are less than 5%, and, and to the uh, Jewish population. Um, and um, that comes from some of the religious teachings and uh, it's mostly uh, from the Muslim faith to to the Jewish faith. Um, you know, my good friend, my best friend was a Muslim person um, and that we, I never 
felt any different, but internally there's always this difficulty getting ahead in life because India became a democracy and 70% are Hindus. Most politicians are elected by majority and they're all Hindus. Now the current national government is a Hindu government, Hindu party. So we as minorities, although we don't get killed these days, we cannot get ahead in life. Very difficult. Um, so Jewish population, when I was in my early 20s, I was 20 years old, or probably 18 years old at that time, just uh, in the middle of medical school, um, and there was the threat against uh, the mosque. So I come from the fisherman community, and they're very strong. They're not known for their ruthlessness. No one would try to to intimidate them. So I approached my community and said, "Can we help um, my Jewish, my Jewish friends? Their mosque is under attack." So they came and they um, put a line uh, three blocks out on the mosque and no one can come within. And they will come in the evening and they'll stay there in the morning. So I also joined them. Um, and it went on for a week and a half and everything from then on went away. Uh, no one would um, raise a voice against the Jewish community. Uh, since then, most of that community has moved to Israel. My good uh, friend who, uh, who lived and studied with me is now in, um, in, his, in Israel as actually a pathologist. So you're you're saying that most of the Jewish population in India has elected to move to Israel? Yes. There's very few left. Hindu was so prominent in that country. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it so slowly moved, but uh, it has slowly by by their own choice, not not that they're forced. Right. But now they have land to go to and and so on. Um, and uh, but it has a long tradition. I, I'm I'm told I did some research. It from King Solomon's time, and uh, uh, they they're called the. Malabar Jews or the Cochin Jews. That's where they started, C-O-C-H-I-N. That's the city they had pretty good dominance on. And um, had done a lot of, they have fishing nets that are very much part of the Chinese fishing nets, so they were trading with the Chinese at that time. And it goes back many, many centuries. So we have that rich culture in India uh, having had Hinduism, then Buddhism, Lord Buddha is an Indian man, and then Christianity comes, uh, AD, um, AD 20, uh, St. Thomas, disciple of Christ, brings Christianity to South India. He was disciple of the East. Uh, and Judaism has been there even prior to that. And there are Jains, there are Sikhs, there are so many religious sectors of course, it, we gave us the two large religions in the world, Hinduism and Buddhism. Um, so I go over those areas, why one religion did well 
in India as opposed to the other. Um, you know, Buddhism, although Lord Buddha is an Indian man, it, didn't, it, it, it couldn't um, grow uh, in India, yet there was a vacuum in further east, in Burma and Thailand and China and other parts of Far East, accepted very quickly, um, but didn't grow in India that much. Okay, the name, the name of the book is Barefoot to Benefactor, and we're interviewing uh, Mr. Lonnie Peters, an MD, and we're coming up on the 9.30 break for our affiliates around the country. And uh, I've got a question here for you. What is your target group of this book? Is it for uh, refugees or immigrants to uh, give them enlightenment to come to the United States? to get educated in the U.K. and the United States, to, you know, spread the word and spread the wealth around the world? Uh, what is your main focus on this? The main focus is to, to let everyone, whether they are born in America, born in Australia, anywhere, it's not where you come from. It is where you go that matters. So it has to be an inspirational um, book. For anyone who can pick up. There are many uh, people in the United States that can benefit because uh, from the past they feel like they've been not treated well, uh, they haven't had a, a better share of the prosperity, but if you just focus on today, not worry about yesterday, I think you will get where you need to go, number one. So it's not just immigrants, I think part of it is to, to let other people know that whether you go to another country, which is a very difficult process, you give up everything you know, your language, your family, and you start all over again. But stay firm on your faith. Stay firm on your courage. So this is global uh, uh, theme to let people know um, there is, uh, you know, one of the last sentences, she said, you know, never give up. There's always a back door. Never give up. Are you working on another so book now? Them, yes, I am. I am finished my second book. Uh, it is being worked on by my team. Um, but I, I finished writing it. It is also 11 chapters. It's called Peter's Principles for Success. Give me a copy that of that. Finish, it'll come out in, and uh, we'll I read that. Out, it's not, yeah, uh, 2022 is the release for that. Okay. And this one here, I have the advanced review copy. It says it's on sale right now, uh, basically up to September 14th, Amazon and uh, all the different outlets around the world. And I know you'll be uh, making a national swing on this, too. Uh, author Lenny Peters, MD, uh, name of the book is Barefoot the Benefactor. Highly recommend it. And I want to thank you very much for coming on the Author's Hour. Thank you. Appreciate very much your time, and may God continue to bless you, sir. Thank you, sir. That's the first part of the show. Folks, if you or someone you know is celebrating a birthday and you want Wayne to announce it on his program, just send him an email. His address is waynewnri at yahoo.com. Help make that special someone feel like celebrating with a birthday shout-out on WNRI. Thank you, Johnny. Big happy birthday today on the 17th day of August. Glenn Sherman turns 41 today. 
Uh, my wife's cousin, Sarah Jenkins Fonseca, uh, has a big birthday today. Emily Menard, she turns 70. She says, Wayne, don't you dare put my age over the air. Brian Parento, the all-around sportsman. Uh, Jeff Smith turns 31. And my former neighbor, Scott Woodis, from uh, Scott's Mobile Repair, turns 55 today. That's going to be a heck of a party tonight, I can tell you that. And Belu's Flowers is going to be going on vacation. I believe Friday of this week will be their last day, and they've got a huge sale going on right now. Uh, the annuals, buy two, get one free. They still have an ample supply of wood pellets. Solidify that deal before the price increase, and then pick them up later when they come back from vacation on September 7th. And they'll be restocked with uh, corn husk and the stalks and the pumpkins and all the fall decorations, and all be tuned up for the holiday season and fall decorations right there at Belu's Flowers and Gift Shop. Also looking for your vote for the Reader's Choice Awards along with WNRI keeping that streak alive for 12 consecutive years and radio personality yours truly. I'm number two on the selection box and also the outdoor scene in NASCAR for the number one radio show along with Best Gift Shop and Best Florist Belu's Flowers and all of us fine sponsors at WNRI. Please check off the boxes on that. All the different categories. It means a lot for our advertising programs. Book Lovers Gourmet is just opening now. I can smell the aroma of that. Hogan Brothers Coffee all the way down here in one socket. Book Lovers Gourmet is your local independent bookstore owned and operated by Debbie Horan since 1995. Books, coffee, gifts, read, sip, and relax. Looking for great summer read? We've got you covered. Browse on new and used books of all ages and interests. 20% off all one new paperbacks and a dollar off 100% fruit smoothie. Again, Hogan Brothers Coffee, also available by the pound to go. And all of the bakery stuff is supplied wholesale from Phyllis Bakery. Fresh arrivals every day. A lot of seasonal items also. And authors, Debbie is very receptive to get your book on her shelf. Maybe do a book signing or a reading right there or in the parking lot if the COVID virus comes back. She's adapted to all the conditions at Book Lovers Gourmet over at 72 East Main Street in Webster, Massachusetts. Give her a call, 508-949-6232. Help Wanted, Tuesday morning, and it's the... See, Beach Blanket Pizza Special Day over at Cereal's Pizza Rammer and Restaurant. Yep, um, Jimmy and Teresa sent me an email. They're looking for a few more experienced uh, service, male or female, but do not respond by the takeout order phone number. Apply in person. They'd like to interview the person and I'd look them in the eye, shame, make a handshake, and that's how they do it the old-fashioned way. But if you'd like to get an order ready for you or a delivery, it's 401-568-7187, celebrating 52 years in business. Beach Blanket Cheese Pizza, an extra large, 15 slices, only $7 every Tuesday. A five-star rated by our local Jeff Gamage. Also... 52-week special. Dinner for two, $19.99 every Sunday. 
six to ten entrees, and they mix it up all the time, including soda and coffee, including decaf. They usually make me a fresh pot because I'm special. And then when you get ready to leave, I always give the waiter waiter an extra five, an extra fin because it's such a deal. She taps me on the shoulder. Wayne, don't forget about your pastry. Free dessert, all included with the meal. So if my uh, hot cardiologist is not listening right now, I think I'm going to order some lemon meringue. But if he is, I'll go with the bread pudding. Sunday dinner for two for nineteen ninety nine. Every week at Cereals, Pizza Rama, and Restaurant. Up at the Bridge and Triangle. Uh, GPS and Bluetooth, that's 405 Church Street, Pasco. 401-568-7187. And also, they're normally closed on Monday. But I got a notation from him yesterday. Uh, Jimmy, with his heart of gold, on August 23rd, is going to be open for a fundraiser. For the Pasco Boy Scouts, because the virus now restrictions have uh, uh, depleted a little bit, they're going to have a spaghetti and meatball supper on the 23rd, uh, $10 in-house or in order to go, because he's got a heart of gold. Jim and Teresa are over at Cereals, Pizza Rama, and Restaurant. 52 years in business. 401-568-7187. The second half of our show, we have a, a poet scheduled, Debbie A. Montegria, uh, Tears of Change. And uh, that's going to be coming up a little bit later in the show when she calls in. We had scheduled her for 935, but there again, everybody has day jobs. And last week, she was traveling. Uh, we discussed earlier on the show with the Association of Rhode Island Authors with our lively literati and our guest on August 25th which will start at 6.30 at the East Greenwich Hotel on Main Street in East Greenwich. It's Keith Carrario, and uh, you have know him from this show here. He's been on four or five times with his trilogy, The Pentinent. And now he's uh, teamed up with Stephen King on a new collaboration that he's going to be talking about. Why we're going with the poets is uh, I don't know if you saw it the other night, but uh, Brandon Leake came back on America's Got Talent on the 2021 edition as a former winner. And he came on with an assembly cast and really rocked the house again. He's actually put poetry on the map along with Amanda Gorman at the inauguration of President Biden. What a beautiful job she did on the hill we climb. And I gave her a three book deal uh, worth about a million dollars per order. So she's a very talented young girl and bringing um, poetry to the forefront, along with people like uh, Brandon Lake, America's Got Talent winner from 2020. Our local guys here are Orange Live and today, uh, Debbie, and uh, quite a few others that we've been associated with, uh, including the Poet Laureate of New York that's been on the show four times. We're talking about James Nicola from New York. Uh, I got two emails in this morning here on the show on WayneWNRIYahoo.com. Uh, Wayne, I have the task of cleaning out my grandfather's house who passed away. He has a huge book collection. Help. How do I find out whether they are worth anything? Uh, garbage? Donation? What did I do? What can I do? And he's got help. And then a big question mark about four times on it. Okay, on the computer, sources, 
There's very, very few books out there right now that are not online somewhere. Okay? I participate with rarebookshub.com. It does have a fee, but it's got a record of every book that's been sold at auction since 1898. And it really helps me. I'm on other lists of all the different auctions around the world every single week. And I get the results of them. But, I mean, that's a different level. I don't think you're walking into that. Um, other places to look. Add all. A-D-D all. Book Finder. Alibris. Abe Books. Viabro. Uh, V-I-A-L-B-R-I. Okay, another very, very good source. Bookscouter.com. The one that does all the auctions that I get an email daily from around the world is BaumanRareBooks.com. If you get into that level, I don't think you're going to what you're walking into. I can tell you right now, most of the paperbacks, you're going to have a hard time liquidating. Uh, That seems to be a very slow thing. Uh, catalogs very slow what you're looking for is pre-1962 and the condition of the book especially if the library or the bookcases are located in the parlor next to a wood stove that can be very detrimental because the smoke from the burning the wood actually gets in the book it really really hurts the value on it You may find they've been there so long, when you go to move them, they're very brittle, and they disintegrate in your hands. Another very, very important thing is wear gloves because they could be mold-infested. There's a possibility of things that you might find. Also, as you're going through them, get some kind of uh, an app on your phone that can make it a lot easier You can scan the barcodes from when barcodes were instituted on the second or third page of the book. Before that, there are no barcodes. But what you're looking for is the publisher's name in the year of the book. And normally on that same page within the first three, it'll tell you first edition with that year. Or it'll say first edition 1898 and then have a second date of 1964 that's probably your 10th edition of that book if it's a real good classic seller watch for autographs Um, it's a little tricky thing because anybody can sign a piece of paper on it Uh, if you have a picture that's with that signature verifying the day that person the author signed it that's like gold with it Or as a real expensive book that has an autograph, you can match up the autographs online by that author's previous autograph. And then also get your opinion from the specialists that specialize in autographs on literature. Some of the old, old rare books that you may find may need a new rebinding. There are companies out there that do that. Uh, especially with the leathers and the different materials, uh, different eras of paper 
the style and thickness of the papers from the different eras. There's a lot to it, but there are specialists out there for it. Another thing on that is it's very sentimental when you inherit something like that. It's more of the family thing that, you know, like a hoarder. You want to keep it because it was your grandfather's or your great-grandfather's or handed down and stuff like that, especially old Bibles. They have signatures and notes from family members, which there's no monetary value on it. It's a personal thing. So that might be something you want to keep. And then also, uh, maybe something that you want to put aside for one of your grandchildren. So now you've got six generations of that book. You know, the first three and then the three after you will end up with that book. So there's uh, different ways to look at it, but there are numerous sources on pricing almost all the books. And like I say, they go way back. I don't think you're going to find into that on your, your current grandfather's house, but you never know. And uh, watch for the uh, little lump in the book, because a lot of people have a habit of hiding things in the books. I've opened up books and I found a $100 bill. I found medals. I opened a book one time and I found a rosary. And I looked at it and it was semi-precious medals. All the stones and the quality of the silver. The rosary was worth more than the book. That someone along the way was reading the book and put it in the book. So that, those are the things you've got to look for. And the other thing is, too, if you scan through, uh, say the person's right there. And you start isolating, you know, what you think is good and putting on the side like that. Then he's going to think there's a monetary value being built up. That doesn't take into consideration you getting rid somehow, some way with a dumpster or whatever. All the other remaining books, the labor, rebinding, advertising, all of that. So you got to be going to wait all your stuff or uh, the bookstore owner and stuff that's there has to close his shop and work all day evaluating your books. I'm at to a point right now where I get a fee to do a service call to do an evaluation on books like that. And I can usually tell within a half hour to an hour whether it's worthwhile or not or they're what they call in uh, like baseball cards, commons. And then there's, you know, the ones that are sought after. Uh, Older books on horse, horses, older medical books, big market for. There's certain things, click markets that you can sell and liquidate around the country. Uh, scholar books, also college books. And then, you know, you've got to be careful on that too because technology with the computer has replaced a lot of those books and made them obsolete. So be very careful in what you're going to offer for the books, too. Otherwise, you're going to end up eating it and still have to do all the labor. But there's so many ways out there to come up with that. We got an email here from Lonnie. Wants to know what books are coming up in the future. Uh, the Wayside Story. Uh, a look back at history of a, a Vermont country store by Nancy Sean. Uh, Mr. Bushard got me the book from one of his friends up in Vermont. And I'm trying to hook up with her to get live on the show. Uh, correcting a Financial Miseducation by Paul Dayton. Really good book. I got it at the house now. I've already read it. Uh, Roads to Addiction, Highways to Recovery, The Brian Masters Story. 
is going to be coming up on a future episode. Middle Class Manifesto by Edgar Goral is going to be coming up on the show. A very familiar name on the author's hour. He's been on three times so far. Local drummer, guitarist, and rocker Joe Silva from Cumberland. He's come out with another book, Sandhill Cove, and we'll be having him come up on a future show. The Spirit of Animal Healing by Dr. Monty Goldstein. I have on my shelf right now. We're trying to line up the correct date for him on his tour when he comes through New England. A Step Back by Amy Jean. Forever Joanne by Linda Skibsky. Okay, that's going to be her very first book debut coming out. That's available for It's being edited right now. Vagabond Skyline. A Skyline by T.L. Rockowitz is another one I have at the house. The DNA of Democracy by Richard C. Lyons is already, I think, number 26 on the New York Times bestseller list. I've got that copy, and we're trying to get him, you know, a spot on the show. And um, one of my newest friends from NBC, uh, you can see her every day, five days a week on the morning show on NBC. We're talking about President Bush's uh, favorite daughter, Jenna Bush Hager, and she also is an author. I met her up in Connecticut, up in Madison, Connecticut last year on a book tour, and I have her book, and I'm ready to do it with her. We might have to do it on a tape because of her schedule. Everything Beautiful in Its Time by Jenna Bush Hager. And that's going to be a real good one. She's a real down-to-earth person. Uh, transportation and limousine services provided by CJ Trans of Fairbanks today. We've got a Ford Escort. And Little General Stores. There's one in your neighborhood. And these are the sales that expire on 822. Beef stir-fry, only $5.99 a pound. Chicken leg quarters at 69 cents a pound. And Chef Gary McLaughlin on Recipe for a Good Day is going to talk about it on a recipe. And I just saw a head, uh, heads bob over there. So Jeff says, boy, he's got some information that I don't have. They've got English muffins, too. I'm, they've also got blueberry and corn. But English muffins are on sale at one ninety nine. We got to be politically correct and give everybody a shout out. English muffins, one ninety nine, and that's that big uh, uh, six pack. At Little General Stores, open eight days a week. Money orders, gift cards, propane exchange at most locations. And we talked about Beatles going out for vacation, so head on over there and get some of those sales. And also, the busy weekend I had. I'd like to personally thank everybody who came out to my book signing uh, Saturday morning in North Scituate, Rhode Island. Uh, so many people that purchased some of my books and they brought them over to the table to have me autograph them. Very, very gratifying. And then we had the world debut of Nine Lives for Number 9 at the uh, Thompson uh, High School Auditorium, uh, produced and directed by the Thompson Historical Society this Saturday. It's going to be coming up on PBS as a documentary show very, very shortly. It's not about a cat, nine lives with a cat. It's the nine lives of number nine, which is an engine number. 
and now Raj has got his interest up and so has Larry because they love trains. But it's the Ramsdale train that was hidden so it wouldn't be scrapped in the Second World War right there in Thompson for a future amusement park that never transpired. And that train is still running today up in Wicasset to Quebec line. It was a fantastic documentary, and uh, can't wait to see it on PBS with my uh, popcorn after getting the pre-advance. And I met in so many people up there, too. But the same thing happened when I came out. There's somebody, you know, kicking the tires and hitting the hood. They forget their keys and their key fob in the car. Now, this happens in every major event. Who are you going to call? An ex-wife be reminded three months back alimony. Ghostbusters. No, you should be calling Larry's 24-hour towing, the same exact phone number, multitasking company, as Boroughville Motor Sales, and to schedule a Rhode Island Vehicle State Inspection, all under one roof, 401-568-6286. Home base is South Main Street in Pasco, Rhode Island. Used auto and truck sales also with new arrivals every day. Again, Rhode Island Vehicle State Inspections right on the premises. Peter, Jerry, John, Brian carried the whole cast up there. And all ASC certified in AC service. They still have an ample supply of Freon right there. Glad I didn't pay that bill. Expert body work and insurance estimates right on the premises. Again, lockout service, jump-starting service. Um, maybe you bought a classic car or an ATV or a motorcycle and you want to get back to your property without getting tags being unregistered. Just give them a call, give them the address, and they'll figure out what of the seven towing vehicles that they have, whether it be on the hook or on the flatbed or whatever, they'll take care of the rest for you. Lowry's 24-hour towing, Barova Motor Sales, 401-568-6286. Uh, I got an email in here from uh, Green Dragon Comics. Let me see what she's doing on the email. Oh, Wayne, she says, could you please include this on the Authors Hour Show Tuesday? A big, big thank you for the hundreds of people that came over to our retail establishment at Green Dragon Comics and Gift Shop. We are at the Dragon. And she's saying a big thank you for the response she had from Free Comic Book Day this last Saturday over in Chapachet. I didn't have a chance to get over there because I was doing a book signing and then I had to shoot up to the movie and then the American Legion banquet we had that night. Very hectic day. But evidently, she had a blockbuster day with the Free Comic Book Day. <clears throat> they normally have that every year in the industry in May. And with the virus this year, they backed it up into August. And she was prepared for it. And if you are looking for a comic book, new or classic, Magic the Gathering, Fortnite, you geeks out there know what I'm talking about. Get on Green Dragon Comics on Facebook or her website. And she, uh, she updates it almost every single day. Specials. Sealed events, dual events. You can uh, go up there and start creating and building with the rest of the group. It's a uh, tri-state regional business, a destination company. Her plates from New Hampshire, Connecticut, Mass. Because she's got the stuff. And she's got the latest game information for you. Green Dragon Comics and Gifts. Right there at One Victory Highway. The intersection of Route 100 and 102. 
and beautiful Japachet, Rhode Island. Last one on today's show that signed up for the uh, program. And uh, we will reschedule Tears of Change Poetry by Debbie at a later show. Something must happen. Uh, American Beauty Sign Works. Everybody wonders why I have this phone number tattooed on my left arm. They think I'm having an affair. 401-767-2922. And if you can answer right now what business number that is, Oscar will give you a free autograph for the remainder of August. He will waive the fee. Now you know who it is? American Beauty Sign Works, owned and operated by Oscar Hancock, a great Vietnam veteran. He was in the Navy, and uh, they survived. They're still going strong, the Navy. And uh, he's a member of 818 right here in Woonsocket. You know, we had a local group for that. Uh, used to be on Providence Street, but now they've moved to bigger and better quarters and uh, work uh, conditions. He's got service bays with big overhead doors so we can do those graphics on boats, trucks, camp, you name it. He can do them 365 years, uh, 365 days in-house. Also gives him a lot more roof to do the welding and uh, fabricating of all the signs and gives all their employees, especially Desiree with 3E, her own cubicle to uh, show that 60-inch screen with the fantastic portfolio. The new location, 706 St. Paul Street in North Smithfield. Now, set your barons on that. It's across from the fire department, behind Little General, one of our sponsors, and on the right-hand side of the iconic Powell Motors, right at 706 St. Paul Street, 401-767-2922. Another thing uh, right now, for advertising is the rear windows on uh, pickup trucks and vans. They got very inexpensive. You can get one for you. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in today. And we are so professional. I think we have an outro. And I'm going to try to get that up on the screen. Author's hour intro. Author's hour end of show. Because it's 10 o'clock. And there's another show following me. Have yourself a great day. And tomorrow, have the best day of your life. I'd like to thank Barefoot to Benefactor author Lenny Peters, MD. Available now on Amazon and other outlets. Thank you very much for tuning in.